Good morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, December the 29th, the year 2013, and we are in the Stillwater Meditation Hall of the Upper Hamlet during our winter retreat. Welcome to the Upper Hamlet. It's uh, very nice to sit together and uh, to breathe together. It's very pleasant. When we uh, focus our attention on our in-breath and out-breath, we bring our mind home to our body. And we are really there, in the here and the now. Uh, mindful breathing produces uh, awareness. Breathing mindfully, we know that we are alive. And to be alive is uh, a wonderful thing. We have a body. We have feet to walk lungs to breathe, eyes to see. All these are wonderful things. So just breathe in and out, and we touch all these wonders of life that are in us and around us. When we sit together and breathe in together, we can hear the sound of the rain. The sound of the rain is also a wonder of life. In us and around us, there are wonders of life. With mindfulness, we can get in touch with them. And that can help uh, nourish us and heal us. And that is why mindfulness is a source source of healing and nourishment. And mindfulness uh, does not come from the outside. We can generate the energy of mindfulness by walking, sitting, breathing, doing things. We can do everything mindfully. We think that uh, there are two more days and then the year 2013 will be gone. Is that true? The year is going to die. The year 2013 is going to go away. Can we speak about the birth of a year or the death of a year? And this is an object of meditation. We know know that the notion of a month Day and hours are invented by, by us. They are conventional designations. Like the euro, the dollar, they are invented by our mind. And the value of these things depend very much on our way of thinking. So the notion of year is also a notion that we have fabricated 
uh, things uh, first of all conventional conventional designation e. what does it mean to die to die means from being you suddenly go to the realm of non-being that uh, happened to the year 2013. In two days, there will be no more 2013. <coughs> and the year 2014, we think that it is not there yet. It will come in two days. You can speak about the birth of a, of a year. Where is it now, the year 2014? Can you touch it? And the new year can be really a new year? Or it is just the repetition of the old year? Depends very much on us. Now the year, the year is ending and we should be able to ask ourselves these uh, simple questions. What I have done during the the year 2013. Have I been able to produce feelings of joy and happiness during my days? Have I learned to produce a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness every day during the year 2013? We have learned that with mindfulness, we can produce a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness whenever we want. Because we are a practitioner, we should be able to to fabricate, to produce a moment of joy, a moment of happiness. We know what conditions, what ingredients we need in order to produce a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness for us and for the person, the people we love. As we are a practitioner, we should be able to produce a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness to nourish us and to nourish the people we love. Have we done that during the year 2013? Yeah, two more days. And then we may ask, uh, have I been able to, to take care of the painful feeling, of the painful emotions during the year 2013? From time to time, a painful feeling comes up, or a strong, unpleasant emotion comes up. And uh, did we? Have we been able to, to handle them, to calm them down, so that we will not be a source of uh, suffering for, for us and for other people? Because as a practitioner, we should be able to handle a painful feeling, a painful emotion. We should know how to calm down a painful feeling, a painful emotion, or even transform it into something 
better, like compassion, uh, friendship, uh, forgiveness. Because uh, uh, pain and uh, pleasure are all organic. It's like love and hate. They are of an organic nature. If you don't know how to handle love, it can turn to be something else, like anger or hate. And if you know how to handle hate and anger, you can turn it back into understanding and love. And all those things, these things you can learn as a practitioner of mindfulness. And if uh, we do not master um, the practice of generating joy and happiness, if we do not know how to handle painful feelings and emotions, we are going to repeat that in the new year. And the new year will be not be very new. <laughs> it is only a repetition of the old year. So in order for the new year to be new, you have to, to renew yourself. You have to, to make yourself new. And that is why in Plum Ridge this year, we have the sentence, New Year, New Me. I need to have a new me in order to really enjoy uh, the new year. And we have two days more in order to prepare ourselves, in order to have uh, a new us, so that we can really enjoy the new year. Year is uh, time, and time is linked to space and action. In some uh, Buddhist schools, uh, people think of space as uh, unconditioned, an unconditioned Dharma. But we know now that space is made of uh, non-space elements. Space is made of uh, matter, of uh, speed, of time, of many other conditions. So space is also a conditioned dharma. And uh, the year that is going to end, that is our invention our fabrication, our product. The value of the year depends on our way of acting, reacting, our way of living our life. The value of the year depends on our way of our life. And if we know the practice of uh, mindful, um, Mindful breathing, mindful uh, walking, and mindful dealing with uh, uh, pain and sorrow and anger, and can, we can improve the quality of our action, improve the quality of our life, improve the quality of our days and months and years. Now it is uh, winter time, and uh, doing walking meditation, you don't see uh, 
butterflies, these uh, uh, <coughs> flowers, these uh, small creatures that appear a lot during uh, the month of uh, April and May. And you think that uh, they are not there, the butterflies, dragonflies, and so on. And we tend to think of them as not existing. But that's not true. They are there. They only wait for the month of uh, April to manifest. So the year one, uh, the year 2013, you don't think that uh, it is already there, but it is already there. You don't need to wait for two more days in order to touch the year 2014. It is already in you and around you. You can touch it now. You know that in springtime, these butterflies will manifest. But that does not mean that they do not exist now. They are hidden. They are somewhere very alive, waiting for conditions to manifest. So the same thing is true with 2014. It is already there, and you can already enjoy 2014, uh, even uh, 48 hours before uh, the official announcement is coming up. When we think of our childhood, you were a little girl, you were a little boy. You are no longer a little boy, a little girl. Has he died, the little boy? Has she died, the little girl? No. The little boy, the little girl is still very much alive in you. And sometimes your behavior is very much the behavior of a little boy or a little girl. So the little boy, the little girl has not died. It's always there and you can touch him or her. So meditating like that, we see that uh, things continue. Nothing is born. Nothing dies. And that corresponds with the first uh, law of uh, thermodynamics. You cannot produce anything. You cannot destroy anything, whether it is matter or energy. You can transfer matter into another kind of matter. You can transfer matter into energy. You can transfer um, energy into another kind of energy. You can transfer um, energy back into matter, but you cannot produce, you cannot destroy anything. And then that is the teaching that corresponds to the teaching of no birth and no death. Birth and death are only on the surface. If you go down deeply, there's no birth and no death. The same thing is true with 2013. And maybe we can sing Au Revoir uh, uh, on uh, 
uh, in the beginning of the na- 2014, we say au revoir to 2013. But as soon as we think au revoir, it is still, it continues in the in 2013. To me, the year 2013 is going to continue, even uh, in the month of January 2014. We think that our ancestors are no longer there. They are dead. But that's not true. Our ancestors are always alive. If we look deeply into uh, every cell of our body, we can see their presence. Our, Our ancestors, they are fully present in every cell of our body, and we carry them to the future. So their nature is also the nature of matter and energy, the, ma- the nature of no birth and no death. To meditate means to have the time to look more deeply, to see things that people who do not meditate cannot see. And if you do well, you can touch your nature of no birth, no death. In the year 2013, have you had some difficulties with someone? Have you got angry at him or her? Did you want to to leave him or her forever? Uh, and did you know how to handle that kind of uh, anger and despair? This morning in the upper hamlet, we touched the earth after sitting meditation. We touched the earth and invoke, uh, invoke the name of uh, the Bodhisattva earth holder, Chittigaya. We know that uh, we are all children of the earth. Of Mother Earth. And one day you will go back to Mother Earth. Not only you, but that person also. <laughs> she will, and he will go back to Mother Earth like you. In time, the, the, the time when you, when you maintain this body, this form of life, is short. Maybe 30, 40, 50 years only. And both of you are going to be back to Mother Earth. And we, when you touch down, when you when you touch down to the earth, you may be aware that that person and you, both of you, are going back to Mother Earth, and the insight will come that uh, the years the day, the month that are left for us to be together, we should be more compassionate to each other. Because anyway, we will go back to the earth. And if you can touch the earth like that, all your anger, your suffering will vanish very quickly. The practice of touching the earth is a wonderful 
one day, that's sure, you go back to Mother Earth. And that person also. That person whom you think to be your enemy, the one who has created a lot of suffering to you, he or she will go back with you to Mother Earth. And both of you are children of the Earth. And you have to reconcile anyway when you go back to Mother Earth. And uh, if you are in love with him or her, you know that also one day you will go back to Mother Earth. And that is why uh, uh, touching the Earth like that strengthens your love, helps you to cherish every moment that you have in order to live together. Touching the Earth is a very wonderful practice. For myself, I don't think that I need uh, time to go back to Mother Earth. I'm going back to her every moment. I know uh, Mother Earth is in me, and I am in Mother Earth. There's no going home anymore, because I am home. I am already with Mother Earth. I don't need to die in order to to go back to Mother Earth. It's impossible to die anyway. When you meditate on a cloud, you see that the cloud can never die. Because to die means from nothing, from something, you become nothing. And that is impossible. It is impossible for something to become nothing. Your cloud can become the rain, can become the snow, the ice. But it is impossible for your cloud to become nothing. And to be the cloud, a cloud is nice. But to be the rain falling down on earth is also very nice. And to be uh, to become snow is also very nice. And that is not dying. There's a changing form of life. It will be boring if you are a cloud for a long time. You should try to be the rain or snow. So with that kind of insight, you are no longer afraid of dying. You don't die. You just continue with other forms of life. It's like the butterflies. You think that they have died. But no, they're still there. I, and I can guarantee that in the month of April, they go up here. And you know that. They will come back. Mother Earth is our home in the here and the now. It's very important to learn to go back to her every moment. And you'll be nourished, you'll be healed. (coughs) Because Mother Earth has the power of healing and nourishing.
But many of us do not allow Mother Earth to heal us and to nourish us. We are running away from her. It means we are running away from ourselves. And technology is helping us to do so. We are not comfortable with ourselves. Because we don't know how to handle a feeling of pain in a strong emotion. We don't know how to handle the loneliness, the fear, the anger, the despair in us. That is why most of us try to run away from ourselves. Because we don't want to suffer. We have the impression that if we go home to ourselves, we will encounter these blocks of pain, sorrow, loneliness. That's not pleasant. That is why suddenly many of us, most of us, are trying to run away from ourselves. And uh, uh, electronic devices that we buy and use, they are helping us to run away from ourselves. But the practice of mindfulness is helping us to go home and take care of our body, of our feelings, of our emotions. Because with the energy of mindfulness, we are no longer afraid of going home to us. Going home to us to do what? (coughs) To restore peace, harmony in our body, in our feelings. And that is the practice. With the practice of mindfulness, you can come home to your body and help release the tension in your body. And when the tension is gone, the amount of pain in your body will be reduced. And you learn how to enjoy your body, how to enjoy every breath you make, every step you make. Because there are those of us who enjoy every breath, every step. We are able to stay in the present moment. We can touch the wonders of life, including our body. We can produce a feeling of joy and happiness with uh, a step, uh, an in-breath. We don't want to, 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 to waste our time. We want to, to live deeply every moment that life uh, gives us to live. It's very precious. Time is not money. Time is more, much more than money. It's life. And those of us who know how to practice mindfulness are capable of producing a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness. Because uh, when we go home to our, ourselves, 
we recognize that we are so lucky. We have eyes still in good condition. We can enjoy the cosmos, the ocean, the stars, the trees, the beautiful planet, every species on earth. They are all wonderful. We have a strong feet to run and to walk, to climb. We have eyes to see, ears to, to hear, to listen. And mindfulness helps us to make the best use of our sense organs in order to enjoy the wonders of life. And we do not allow anger and worries and fear to carry us away. Because the practice of mindful breathing Mindful walking can help you stay in the here and the now and get in touch with these wonders of life. And when it comes, the time comes for you to handle a feeling of fear, anger, you know how to do it. Because fear, anger uh, are also organic. They can be transformed into something more positive. A feeling of anger can very well be transformed into a feeling of compassion. You are angry at him or her because you believe that that person has made you suffer. That that person has the intention to make you suffer. But if you have mindfulness and concentration and look, you see that person has suffering in him or in her. And because uh, he or she does not know how to handle the suffering, that is why he or she continues to suffer. And uh, even if he does not want to make you suffer, uh, he makes you suffer anyway. He cannot help. He is helpless. He does not know how to handle the suffering in him. And you who is who are a practitioner, you know how to handle a feeling of pain, a feeling of anger. You can get a relief. But that person does not know. So the moment when you see that your anger is transformed, that person needs help and not punishment. You just take some time to look at him or her, and understanding will come. Understanding will bring compassion right away. And you don't suffer anymore when compassion is born in your heart. And that can happen quickly. Therefore, uh, anger is impermanent. If you know how to handle anger, you can transform it into something positive, understanding and compassion that help you and help the other person also. Without understanding, when you look at him or her, there is anger, reproach, 
blame in your eyes. And when the, the other person sees you looking at him like that, he suffers. But with understanding and compassion in your heart, well, that compassion and understanding reflects in your eyes. Your way of looking makes you feel, makes you uh, uh, make the disappear, uh, make the anger disappear. And in your eyes, there is that uh, that element of understanding and compassion. And when the other person see you look uh, at him or her like that, uh, she will feel much, much better. And that is why uh, producing the energy of understanding and compassion is possible to help you suffer less and help the other person suffer less at the same time. If you know how to how to how to master the practice, you can help the other person becoming a co-practitioner. And you with him, you with her, you can practice together and support together on the path of transformation and healing. Last week we have begun to speak about Tuhu. And Tuhu is not exactly a, a place in time or space that you go to. Tuhu depends on your understanding, your insight. Tuhu is available at any time. Anywhere, if you know how to recognize your true home. Your true home you have to build for yourself. The Buddha, before he passes away, he told his disciples that everyone has an island within themselves. And where you can feel safe and calm peaceful, I'm happy. That year he was 80. And after, after uh, recovering from a big uh, sickness, he, uh, he spent time visiting uh, groups of practitioners uh, in the vicinity of the town of uh, Vaishali. Groups of monks and nuns and lay practitioners coming together and practicing 
เนี่ยนะอันนี้ยิบที่ยิบเดินมา very short นะมาพอ and these d h a m a t o g s have the teaching of taking refuge in in the island within oneself, be an island unto yourself, and you should not. Take refuge in anything else, in someone else outside of you, but you take refuge in the island, the safe island of yourself. The Buddha uh, knew that uh, after he passed away, many of his disciples would feel uh, lost without a teacher. That is why he gave the teaching of. Uh, Atta Nipa Sarana. Atta is self. Nipa is island. Sarana is uh, taking refuge. He said, "Dear friends, there is a safe island within yourself, and you have to take refuge in that island." We know that uh, the Buddha has taught us how to breathe, how to walk, and mindful breathing, mindful walking, always bring us home to ourselves. First of all, to our body. Your body is uh, the first element of home, of true home. You have to learn to go back to your mind. And reconcile your body. You may have abandoned your body, let it down for a long time. You have allowed uh, a lot of uh, tension and pain and stress to be accumulated in your body. You have not been kind to your body. When you spend two hours with your computer. You forget entirely that you have a body, and your body is lonely. There is tension, there is pain in your body, but you just ignore your body. The computer is more interesting than your body, so you may like to do like. Uh, Monastics in Plum Ridge—they program a bell of mindfulness in the computer, and every quarter of an hour, you hear the bell. You stop working, you go back to your body and enjoy breathing, and reconcile with your body. Dear body, I'm here for you. That is statement of love. And you have released the tension in your body, and so on.
And uh, last time we spoke about um, the third exercise of uh, mindful breathing, suggested by the Buddha, the third exercise, breathing in, I'm aware of my whole body. Very simple exercise, bringing your mind home to your body and recognize the existence of your body. My body, I know you are there. Breathing out, I smile to my body. That is an act of reconciliation, an act of love. And the fourth exercise of mindful breathing is breathing in. I release the tension in my body. And these exercises are very practical. And as a practitioner, you should practice them several times a day, all day long. Sitting in a car, uh, sitting in our office, uh, sitting on the grass, uh, sitting in the dining hall. You can always become aware of our body and release the tension in our body. Sitting and release the tension. And that is the first thing you do when you practice sitting meditation. The first um, uh, uh, mindful uh, in-breath and out-breath are direct to your body, recognizing your body and release the tension in your body. And that we can do anywhere, at any time, taking care of our body. <coughs> because our body is the first element of a true home. True home should be pleasant. Otherwise, you don't want to go home, to go to that place. And then the next, you know, the first four exercises of mindful breathing are about your body, how to take good care of your body. And the next uh, four exercises are about your feelings and emotions. The fifth and the sixth are to create a feeling of joy and happiness. Mindfulness help us to become aware of the many conditions of joy and happiness that are already available. You don't have to go and look for, for them in the future. They are available in here and now. Plenty of them. More than enough for you to generate joy and happiness. That is the art of happiness. for you to nourish yourself and to nourish the other person. And the next two exercises, the seven and the eight, is for you to recognize the painful feeling, the 
painful emotion. Listen in. I am aware of the painful feeling arising in me. The painful emotion arising in me. That is a kind of energy. The painful feeling. And if you are not a good practitioner, you don't know how to handle that energy. You allow that energy to create damage. And the only, the only way for you to deal with it is to cover it up. You go and look for something to consume, food, music, internet, to forget that. And that is not the best way. And many of us react to the painful feeling in that way. Cover up our feelings, running away from our feelings, because we don't know how to handle But with the uh, seventh and the eighth exercise of mindful breathing, you know how to do it. If you know how to practice mindful breathing, mindful walking, mindful sitting, and then you have another kind of energy called mindfulness. And with that second source of energy, you can recognize the energy of uh, pain, and you can embrace it tenderly to calm it down. You do it the way a mother would do for her baby. If the baby suffers, the mother picks the baby up and holds the baby tenderly into her arms and continues to do that. Because the energy of tenderness in the mother begins to penetrate into the body of the baby and it will bring a relief. So just recognizing your pain and embracing your pain tenderly with mindfulness can help calm it down and you suffer less. This is the seventh and eighth exercise of mindful breathing. Uh, in the beginning, it may be a little bit um, difficult, but we have to train ourselves. My my pain, my painful feeling, I know you are there. I'm not running away from you anymore. I decide to stay and to take care of you. So we do the opposite way. We are not running anymore, away anymore from it. We want to stay and take care. And if you know how to handle a painful feeling, a painful emotion, and with the other exercise that follow, you can even transform a feeling of anger into a feeling of understanding and compassion. And then your feeling of joy and peace and happiness become the second elements of your true home. Your true home you have to, to create, to in. To, to restore. 
And then when you practice mindfulness, concentration and insight, you look deeply into the situation and you generate the energy of understanding and compassion. The energy of understanding and compassion are the third elements of your true home. It makes your home so uh, comfortable, so pleasant to go back to. Otherwise, if you are afraid of your body, if you are afraid of your feelings, you're afraid of your um, of your mental formations, and then you don't want to go home. You are looking for a home, but that's not true. Your true home must be within yourself. And the Dharma helps you to build a home inside. And that is why the Buddha described the island within yourself as the Dharma, the Dharma. Take refuge in the Dharma. Don't take refuge in anyone or anything else. Because the Dharma, which means the practice of mindfulness, help you to create a cozy, peaceful, pleasant home for you to come home, to come back. And last week we have already begun to discuss about this. And we also added that when we are a group of people, when we are a family, uh, a sangha, and if we know to practice mindfulness, and then the, the collective energy of peace, and joy, and happiness, and understanding and compassion. Uh, we'll make our, our family, our community a home. In Plum Village, I have said that, um, especially the monastics, no one of us has a salary. No one of us has a private home, private car. And yet, we feel very much at home with uh, our Sangha, because we, we have the practice of mindfulness, of deep listening and loving speech. We can be a brotherhood, sisterhood, and every time we go away, we have to go away, and then we always remember the Sangha as a home. It's, uh, it's uh, strange that in Vietnam, the husband his wife, my home. <coughs> That's what they do. And the husband called his wife, my home. Your partner is your home. 
and um, when you ask uh, the husband, where is uh, where is she now, your wife? And he said, my home is uh, in the post office. <laughs> She's coming come home very soon. And when the husband called uh, his wife, uh, location, my home, are you there? Uh, yes, home, I am home. <laughs> they call each other home, and they refer to him or to her as my home. It means that, darling, you should be my home. You should be, you should be a home for yourself so that I can share your hope. That is the message. Then everyone in a relationship should be the home for himself or herself, so that the other person, your partner, will profit from the home. So you have two homes, but one home. So Sangha is home. And when you have a happy home, a pleasant home, not only you can enjoy, but you can welcome uh, other friends to come and enjoy your home. Because in your home you know how to generate joy, happiness, peace, calm, brotherhood, sisterhood, understanding, and compassion. And that is the work of mindfulness. With the practice of mindfulness, you can build, you can acquire these elements of a true home and build a home for yourself. And your home should not be only a hope. Your home is not in a distance, in a distance away from, from the here and the now. Because there is no way home. Home is the way. Every breath should contribute to making you a home. Every step also. So you experience home with every breath, every step. Because every breath, every step can generate uh, peace uh, and joy and happiness, every step, every, uh, uh, every breath can help uh, uh, calm down a painful feeling. So you have uh, faith in your home. And when everyone in the community practices the same thing, we create a collective home that is for all of us and for other people who come uh, to share the practice with us. If you are the chief of an enterprise, you might like to transform your company into a home. If you know how to make yourself into a home for yourself, if you know how to create peace and joy and happiness, you know how to handle uh, 
are the pain and sorrow. You are at home not only for yourself but for your partner, for your company. And you have in your company uh, many, uh, uh, many uh, uh, assistants, collaborators. <coughs> and as you know how to look at them with compassionate eyes, understanding eyes, and then you can help them to create their own home. And uh, the direction of the company, the, 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 the one who, uh, who is in charge of the whole company, they, if they know the practice, they will be together as a home and they will, uh, they will help making other employees in the corporation uh, practice and your, your Earlier this year, we visited uh, the World Bank, and uh, and we discussed a little bit about this uh, practice. The World Bank is to help people suffer less in the poor countries to suffer less. But uh, not with uh, the money alone, because money cannot really help people to suffer less. Especially when people do not know how to handle money, they create more suffering. I had one hour of conversation with Dr. Kim, the president of the World Bank, and we discussed about this. We have the intention to help people suffer less. That is a source of energy. And we have to nourish that intention. Because we are not there to make, uh, to only to to make a living, and everyone in uh, in the organization in the company uh, should be inspired with that uh, intention to help uh, people 
to suffer less. But if you yourself do not suffer less, how can you help people to suffer less? And that is why the practice of mindfulness helps you to suffer less as a director, a president. And if you do well in the practice, you can help uh, your wife, your children to do so. And then you have the support of your family in bringing this kind of practice into your organization. So you begin with yourself. And, and then you continue with members of your family. And when you are happy as uh, a family, you can bring the practice to your organization. Collaborators, um, co-executive, and so on. So with uh, deep listening, compassionate listening, you can listen, you can understand the suffering and difficulties of your associates. And slowly you build up a home among that group of leadership. And you become a home. And when there is a harmony, mutual understanding, trust, and then you can easily bring that kind of practice uh, to the whole company, to the whole organization. You can go to them and say, dear friends, you are not only here to make uh, a living, you have an ideal, you want to make uh, people to suffer less. And we, in the in, in the administration, we have practice. We have become a home for ourselves. We have enough brotherhood, sisterhood, understanding, compassion. And we want all of us to have that because uh, it would not be possible to help people suffer less if we continue to suffer a lot. So, um, in companies, in corporations, the practice of uh, compassionate listening is very important. Not only the director has to be able to listen, but he needs so many people to have the power or capacity to listen. You have to listen to every member of your company, of every company. And uh, we recommended that to a to a, <coughs> to a big company in Hong Kong. Mr. Yuan was a Buddhist practitioner. He owned a very big company, and he, support, he is one of the supporters of the Asian Institute of Applied Buddhism. And he was eager to bring the practice of the Dharma into his, his corporation. And we recommended the same kind of practice. He practiced these kind of uh, practices that help him to have a true home in himself. And he can practice to help his wife and children. And then he has 
and we can we promise that we can help him train 200 people in the art of compassionate listening. We can train them for two weeks. And after that, we can select the ones who are capable of deep listening. And these people will go and listen to every member, every employee. Dear friend, uh, we want to listen to you, to know about your difficulties, your suffering. Maybe we can help you. So please tell us. And before you can do something to help, well, your, your practice of uh, compassionate listening can already uh, uh, restore communication, uh, uh, promote uh, mutual understanding. And that is the process of Sangha building. You can build a Sangha out of your family. You can build a Sangha out of your company. <coughs> and if your company is happy, you can <coughs> realize your dream. We in Plum Village, we, we used to make a joke that we are also a company. But our purpose is not making money. The work we do every day is to organize retreats and days of mindfulness. And there are retreats uh, of mindfulness uh, that are attended by 1,300, 500 people. A retreat like that would last six days. And on the fourth, fifth, and sixth day, we see a lot of transformation and healing. And that is uh, what, we, what we earn, what we, uh, the fruit of our practice. And that nourishes us a lot, brings us a lot of joy and energy so that we can continue. We are able to live simply, but we are nourished by that kind of joy and happiness. We feel that our life is useful. We can help people suffer less after four or five days of practice. And we know that uh, in order to continue to do that, uh, we have to maintain our practice. As a community, as a Sangha, we should devote, we should uh, give ourselves enough time to sit together. In fact, we sit several times a day together. We have this time to sit together, to walk together, to eat together, to exchange our views, experience together. And thanks to that kind of practice, we can be a good uh, community with mutual understanding, brotherhood and sisterhood. If we don't have these kind of things, we cannot organize uh, the practice for other people. So as uh, the chief of a company, um, you might like to think about it. 
making your company into a kind of sangha, sharing the same kind of aspiration, helping each other to suffer less, and then you can help the world, not just uh, making a living. And that is the message uh, we uh, have sent to many uh, people during the last uh, teaching tour in North America. Uh, we spent one hour uh, practicing with uh, the people in Google. We practice sitting, walking, eating in mindfulness. And people in Google, they are very eager to practice. They know the practice of mindfulness will help them uh, improve the quality of life and handle difficulties they meet uh, in their daily life. When we sit together like this, there's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. We can enjoy our body, our feelings. With the practice of mindful breathing, we can produce a feeling of peace in our body, in our feeling. And the collective energy of mindfulness, of peace, can penetrate into each of us and help uh, transform, nourish, and heal. And that is uh, the advantage of uh, practicing with a Sangha. <coughs> the Sangha is a jewel. And, uh, when I met uh, Martin Luther King in '66 in Chicago, we already began to discuss about uh, Sangha building because we share the same uh, belief that without a Sangha you cannot do much. Even if you are a very talented person, but if you do not have a community with you, you cannot do much. You cannot realize your dream. He said he had a dream, and all of us have a dream also. We want to do something with our life, but alone we cannot do it. We need a Sangha. The Buddha understood that. That is why the first thing he did after enlightenment is to go and look for members of his Sangha. And at the end of the first year, he already had a Sangha of 1,000 uh, people. 
He is uh, he is a excellent uh, sangha builder. Dear friends, if you want to realize your dream, you need a sangha. Martin Luther King <coughs> used the term uh, "beloved community" instead of sangha. Last time I met him was in Geneva. We discussed a little bit more about that. And I was able to tell him, Martin, in Vietnam, <coughs> in Vietnam, although we are in a war, but we appreciate very much um, your action in, uh, in, in the United States of America as a fighter for uh, civil rights. And in Vietnam, we consider you as one of the bodhisattvas. Uh, he was very pleased to hear that. But unfortunately, he was killed uh, a few months after that. When I hear the news of his uh, assassination, I get sick. I had to stay in bed for several, several weeks. But I made a determination to continue the work of Sangha building. And I have, because I have uh, not been able, I was not able, I was not allowed to go home to my country. So I spent 40, 40 years in exile. And I had used uh, that uh, have used that time to, to build my Sangha in Europe, in America, and elsewhere. My book uh, teaching uh, about uh, the practice of mindfulness, the miracle of mindfulness, was published uh, in uh, 1974. <coughs> At that time, no publisher in France uh, liked to publish that book. Because nobody knows about mindfulness. But now, uh, uh, mindfulness is something quite well known in Europe and America. And together with uh, the teaching of mindfulness, I have helped, uh, we have helped uh, uh, set up many sanghas in many countries. In big cities like um, London, uh, New York, there are many sanghas. And, and uh, each of us, as a practitioner, we should think about building a sangha. Your dream cannot be fulfilled if you don't have a sangha. And if you have a sangha, you have a refuge, you have a support. And sangha building 
is what you practice uh, every day. You practice uh, deep listening, compassionate listening. You speak, uh, you use loving speech. You restore communication. You help people suffer less. You build brotherhood and sisterhood. And when you have a sangha, you can help many people. Sangha building is the most noble thing to do in your life. Not only uh, it helps you to, 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 to realize uh, your dream, but it also helps you to help people suffer less. And when people come to the Sangha, they have a refuge. And in the Sangha, everyone is a cell of the Sangha body. You know, in our body, there are trillions of cells. And each cell has to, has to uh, generate the energy to nourish the whole body, to nourish itself and the whole body. So, you are a cell in the Sangha body, Sangha Kaya. And you are able to generate energy of mindfulness, concentration, insight, compassion. And if you can generate these kind of energies, you are a true uh, cell in the Sangha body. And a, a true Sangha is a Sangha that is made of cells like that. Every cell knows how to generate mindfulness, concentration, insight, compassion. It's wonderful to be a cell in the Sangha body because uh, a true Sangha always carries within herself the true Dharma. Because without the true Dharma, you cannot generate uh, these kind of energies, mindfulness, concentration, insight, understanding, and compassion. So if you look for the real Dharma, the living Dharma, you have to look in a Sangha. You can look at the Dharma in a book or in a tape, but that's not the living Dharma. That is the spoken Dharma, the written Dharma. The living Dharma can only seen in a Sangha. When the Sangha walks mindfully, you feel the collective energy of mindfulness and brotherhood. That is a living Dharma talk. Very, very eloquent. The Sangha is not saying anything, but the way they walk, they sit, express their living Dharma. They are giving a Dharma talk without words. So if you want to be in touch with the living Dharma, the place you should uh, go is a, a living Sangha, a real Sangha. And then if you are a body, a cell in the body Sangha, you are at the same time a cell in the Dharma Sangha, Dharma Kaya. Kaya means body. 
The Sangha is a body. The Dharma is a body. You are a cell in the Sangha body. You are at the same time a cell in the the Dharma body. And what about the Buddha? The real Buddha, you can get in touch in a Sangha. Because the Buddha is someone who is awake, awake, someone who is understanding and compassionate. And if the true Dharma is there, the true Sangha is there, the true Buddha is there also. The Buddha you see uh, on the altar is a copper Dharma uh, and not a real Buddha. The real Buddha is made of understanding, compassion, mindfulness, concentration. So if you are a cell in the Sangha body, you are also a cell in the Buddha body. To be a Buddha is not so difficult. You become a cell in the, in the Buddha body, and you are the body, and you are the, the Buddha. Because uh, as a cell in the Sangha body, you know how to generate mindfulness with every step, every breath. You generate understanding and compassion. And therefore, you are truly a cell in the Sangha body. And if you are truly a cell in the Sangha body, you are also a cell in the Buddha body. So Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha, the three jewels, are not something far away. They are touchable. You can get in touch very easily. And that is the object of your refuge. Buddha, Sangha, Dharma are your true home. And it is inside of you, the island of self. So with that kind of understanding, we will be ready to welcome the year 2014.